little touch pass there. Benson waiting, cuts in, he scores! Oh my! Into the middle, holding, back, Toporowski shooting, shot block, got it back, shot, score! Center of pass forward, of stop, shot, back to play, score! In front, Groove scores! Jaden Groove scores the triple overtime winner. Portland fans, there's one more game before Christmas break. It's against the Vancouver Giants on Saturday the 17th. What you're going to want to do is come down to Cartside for your pregame festivities. Uh, if you mention the Pucklandia podcast, you will get happy hour pricing on drinks in the cantina there, which is a pretty nice deal, I think. You know, there's a number of uh, food carts there, a variety, you know, for different tastes, and uh, you know, that way it gives you reason to get down there really, get a, find yourself a parking spot and all that. But uh, it's going to be a good showdown, you know, home at home against the Vancouver Giants, former opponent. And uh, hopefully we'll see you down there at Cartside. Welcome into a joint edition of Pucklandia and WHL Unfiltered. Uh, pleased to be joined by my co-host and Swift Current, Sean Mullen, and also by the guest of the hour, Steve Ewan of the Vancouver Province. How's uh, how's Lower Mainland treating you? Lower Mainland is outstanding. We are, uh, we are muddling along here waiting for Christmas, so... We were, you know, getting it figured out. So, you know, Steve, you're, you're, you're one of our. Any snow yet? <laughs> we have not had snow yet, but it, it, we, it, we get snow once once every three years, and it shuts down the city. So <clears throat> that's kind of how we roll. So, Steve, you're one of our favorite, you know, return guests. You're, all, you know, we love the newspaper guys, and you're definitely definitely one of them. Um, yeah. I don't think we give you enough credit for your fight against cancer and, and killing the, the crush the tumor with humor. You want to maybe, you know, touch on that a little bit, how, how that, how that struggle has been going for you? Oh, I, yeah, no, things are good. My, uh, I was diagnosed initially with cancer in 2010, uh, had a recurrence in 2017 and had a stem cell transplant, but I am, uh, cruising along and, uh, blood work has been good and, the medical people all seem very happy, so I'm going to take their lead and be very happy as well. I like that. And, you know, World Juniors, this time of year, you know, it's, uh, you know, we might, you know, win gold, but you guys have uh, have health care and you don't go bankrupt when you get cancer. And so that's, a, <laughs> that's a, you know, a fair trade for me. And I, there you go. <laughs> also, yeah, health care, a touchy subject these days, too, anyway. But. <laughs> But uh, Steve, uh, really good, really good to hear that. In general, uh, how has how has the season been from your perspective? You know, it's a very interesting conference this year. Yeah. Certainly, with the Blazers hosting Portland and Seattle being the powerhouses they are, Prince George emerging 
Uh, Vancouver has been interesting. You know, really a lot of storylines, and I think that's great for a newspaper writer, isn't it? Oh yeah, no, I, I think it's been. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot going on. I, I think just with Kamloops alone, waiting to see what they're going to do and what their big move is, and Seattle obviously has gone all in, and Portland looks great. I think uh, there's that race to get out of the six, six, seven, eight spots. Because I, I don't think you want to play any of the big three in the first round. I think if you can get into the four or five, you, you, your, your odds of winning around probably go up dramatically. And I think you're seeing the Kelowna's and the Vancouver's and uh, Prince George particularly really kind of looking at that. So it, there's lots going on. Vancouver has been their, – their chemistry is very good. Uh, Michael Dick talks about the chemistry being as good as it's been since 2019. When they, you know, when they made the championship run, they're, they're obviously not that team. They they don't have that depth or that talent, but they do have that connection where they, you know, they it feels like they really play for one another, you know, play for one another, and that that you know tends to be a powerful thing at this level. You know, and and I don't know if this is the time to to get into this, but I'm really concerned at how they're going to do over the next couple of weeks here, even, you know, part of that being the break, you know, losing their uh, two of their three top scorers to, to world juniors. I mean, you know, like yeah. every, every team's dependent on these guys, but I feel like the, I feel like the giants really need a stop chuck in the lineup. And Hans, Hans has been superb. Both those guys have been great. And if, if you, if you look back at last year, when, when they lost the guys, the world juniors, I think they went like one in 10. And that basically kind of gutted their season and led them to selling at the deadline. I think I, I I've said all along that we'll get a better idea of what their their long range plan is for this year after this you know next five six seven games. Because I, I, I think I think if they falter, I think you could they could quickly go from a team thinking about making uh you know kind of crafty crafty additions let's call them to to be to being a seller. You mentioned Michael Dick, and we've talked about him with you a, a number of times. I mean, it's, it's a really interesting story how he had a great run, kind of exited the league for a while and, and did his own thing with his kids, has come back, has, has firmly reestablished himself as one of the better junior hockey coaches out there. Do you think, do you think enough people understand the quality of coach that you're dealing with there? And that, and do you, do you picture him ever leaving junior hockey given that He's kind of devoted his whole career to that level. Hundred percent. I, I think he's a guy that's that's looked at pro jobs. I think he. I, I heard stories about him talking, talking with with different pro teams. Uh, I think if they have any sort of playoff run this year, I think he's done. I think he will. I think people will look at this team and say that he's getting. It is, it is the kind of team that's going to get be be greater than the sum of its parts if it has success. And I think if, if he has another year like this where he had the great ends to last year with uh, upsetting Everett, uh, I, I think he'll be gone. I think he'll he'll have a pro job somewhere. Well, and that is interesting, too, because, you know, I I kind of wonder, you know, we, we already talked about, you know, the, 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 the top of the bracket here in the, in the Western mm-hmm. Conference standings. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I wonder – I mean, obviously, you're not based off a, off a one year, and you know, you know, Michael Dick has put together, you know, a a lifetime, you know, resume and and, and been building it for years. But you know, I, sometimes I think that these guys get kind of buried in the shuffle. You're like, well, 
should we go out and get the guy in the you know the in the seventh best team in the Western Conference of the Western League? Give him a chance. You know, it seems like it's you know when these guys move up, you know, aside from you know say Dave Lowry or something, you know, they you really have to like make a splash in this league and kind of you know Manny Viveros the thing in order to to, to move yeah. up. So I kind of I kind of wonder if that's going to hold him back. I don't know. I mean, he's a guy that's that's had various hockey Canada jobs. Um, I, I think people know. We, I mean, he was a guy that was with the the senior world, the senior national team, t- two two summers ago. So I think he's got connections. I think, um, yeah, I, I I think he's close. I think if I think if COVID didn't end, put an end to that last Bowen Byram year and they got to run that year, I think he might be gone already. I, I you know I think there's I I think he's I think he has the ability to be the hard ass head hard ass head, head coach, but I think he's also skilled enough to be the nice guy assistant coach. I think he's got both those. I think that's appealing. I think he's I I, I think he he's he, he's very good technically. I think his teams always check well. Uh, I think he's good good with systems. I think this team really fits him. I think it's a hard working team, and I think that's if there's one. Um, you know, calling card for him is that is that he's he's really into the you know the the hustle and the the kind of the grittier teams, the harder working teams. Reminds me a lot of Don Hay in that regard. How, how meaningful is it? I mean, I did you know I mentioned sort of the gap in time between when he coached in the league. How meaningful is it? Do you think when analyzing a coach's ability to adapt to take that break away from this level? At a time when coaching and the game has changed so much, yeah. and to be able to come back and still have the kind of success that he had, it, you know, a lot of coaches we've seen have success once, leave junior hockey, come back, and they're no longer able to replicate it. The game has changed too much. The players have changed too much. I, I think that's one of the. I think he's. I, I think he's a a very bright guy, and I think he's able to to. Look at the changes and, and look at the how different players are. You look at how different the game is from, like I go back to '07 with the with the Mem Cup team with 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 Milan and and that team as good as it you know was back in '07 couldn't couldn't compete today because it just it it couldn't skate you know, it it couldn't keep up with the pace I don't think so I mean and that's you know with, within all our kind of generation right so. I, I think Michael really understands that. I think he's. I, I I I I'm I'm surprised he's not gone already. To be honest. And that's a, you know these these shows tend to you know go uh, go down rabbit holes is kind of the point of the format. But you know I I never I never thought about that concept, Steve. If you took you know that '07 Giants team and put them up against you know say the today's the Thunderbirds or whatever, yeah. you know, and I mean I. As far as it just the game evolving just that much in that period of time, I mean, as as a fan, I'm still upset at the 07 Giants and some of the things <laughs> that they did to, to, to yeah. <laughs> some of these rinks. You they know, were, they were a big mean. They they were bullies, and and I mean, just to just for one stat, I think I think that team had 100 fighting majors that year, and now I think you know Giants teams are in the 15 to 20. I, I just uh, the game's changed dramatically. I don't. I think yeah. part of it is, is 
just it's falling along with the NHL. Part of it, I think the academies are becoming so much more prevalent that you're getting a, a higher skilled kid or a kid with, with aspirations of being a higher skilled kid. Can you imagine today if a team had 100 fighting majors? The yeah. amount of suspensions they would have, I mean, there may not be 100 fighting majors in the conference by the time the season's done. No, and, and, and I think that, I mean, I, I want, like, want to go down a rabbit hole. Why not, why not make fighting a, a automatic, uh, tossed out of the game, ejection, make, you know, make it an automatic ejection. So I, I think part of my issue with hockey is that hockey gets caught up in, you know, well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, Here's a chance to show that you're thinking about concussions and thinking about uh, all those things that we're so worried about, and try and be kind of forward thinking. So I, 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 you know, fighting is being phased out. I think you, I don't think you would hurt yourself if you kind of helped them along. Well, we're seeing that in the in yeah, kind of on its own, and I think you know the the in the O, you're seeing a little more of that. You're seeing, you know, kind of. You know, calling a, 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 a unsportsmanlike instead of a, a, a instigator, but there's more and yeah. more of those, which is kind of an interesting wrinkle. On we're just going to call this differently without actually changing the rule. I kind of yeah. that kind of sits a little weird with me, but yeah, I don't know. It's probably a. I remember. I remember, and I I I, I want to say '89 or '90 at a New Westminster Royals game. Uh, Harvey Smeal, Stan, Stan's younger brother, was the coach. And Stan was there, and I remember him coming over and talking to him, and, and him talking about how he hated training camp because all the college guys were there and they didn't fight, and they all carried their sticks high. And and I remember thinking, well, that Stan Smeal says that, it, you know, I, you've seen fighting phased out, and I don't feel like you've seen a real, uh, a, a real, you know, the game being overrun by by stick and drop. Well, I think part of that was they, it wasn't that long ago they implemented um, the four minute penalty if yeah. you blo- if you bloody someone with a high stick. And yeah. that's not something we talk about very often in, in the context of this fighting debate, but that does change things because if you're reckless, you not only could cost your team two minutes, but a double minor can completely change a hockey game, right? So yeah. it, it has controlled the sticks a little bit. And taking away some of that concern that would come with less fighting. Well, and, and another part of that too, if we're comparing to the to the college game, you know, not only is there no fighting, but there's full cages and and uh, yeah. you know fish bowls. And so, in theory, you can have your stick wherever the hell you want it because you're not going to contact the other guy's face unless something goes totally wrong. So we kind of have that like a hybrid model here, whereas you can you can get cut with a with a visor, but. So you're trying to be cognizant of it, but you know you also have to answer to Bruno if you get too out of line. So, yeah. you know, I kind I I, I, don't know, I kind of like that that threat being there. That yeah, you do have to answer to you know JD Watt if you if you take liberties, <laughs> but yeah, you know, without having to actually follow through with it, you know, kind of nuclear deterrence kind of a thing. I once got a, a completely going off 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 page. I I once got a. Uh, a drunk dial call about 10 years ago from J.D. Watt. He somehow still had my cell number in his phone and was at a party in the middle of the night in Calgary and had a trivia question he thought I could answer. <laughs> That's respect that you were the first person that came to mind. 
I, I don't know if it's respect. It's something, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just wonder if, that- if, if it was the kind of question about, say, uh, Milan Lucic and, and Loverboy with the Memorial Cup, something along those lines. <laughs> I don't think it was. I, I, I didn't, I didn't pick up. It was just a message, and he was quite angry that I didn't pick up. So I, I to this day, I don't know what the question was. And just you know, on on that subject, I mean, I'm still somebody. When you grow up with it, you're socialized with it, right? Like I, I was a kid watching rock and sock and videos, Ooh. so part of my love of hockey came with that aspect. We we loved we loved the fights. Yeah. And it's 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 human nature. I mean, we watch gladi- gladiators in the yeah. olden times, but but when you tried, somebody came to me with that one time because just you know my instinct is I like fighting in hockey. I enjoy yeah. it. It's a part of the game. And somebody came to me one time and said, if you had to like separate yourself from your history with the sport and explain to somebody who'd never watched hockey before why. Are teenagers allowed to punch each other in the face in front of thousands of people? How would you explain that? And I struggle to explain that because when we put teenagers in a UFC cage yeah. and put put an audience there, right? Like, it, I, it, I guess we wouldn't, you know. No. But I still, I still like fighting it outside of it, it the, my logic. Yeah, like it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, and I don't, I, I don't, I just. I just look at hockey taking the hits that it's taken in, you know, for PR. And part of the problem is that it just hasn't been forward thinking and hasn't evolved and hasn't got, gotten out in front of, in, in front of some of its issues. And here's a simple issue that's going away that, that you could, you could benefit from if, if, if you decided to kind of go down that route. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't change anything. It wouldn't one change the, the game that much for the greater population. One of the faults of hockey, though, I would say, is that they kind of do a lot of stuff halfway. You know, um, in you know, in the case of promoting stars, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, we, we want to promote our stars, but don't be too flashy. You know, we we don't like that. Uh, don't talk too much. Don't celebrate too much. Don't you know? Or or. You know, we want to get fighting out of the game. We want to make it safer, but we don't want to make a big public statement about it because we're going to make the fans that like fighting mad. Yeah. They, 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 as a sport, as a community, seem to tiptoe their way into things all the time to avoid making people angry, but they never, as a result, make any waves with what they do. And, 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 and you know, it feels like they get caught from yeah. like all sides, right? Well, that's a that's a good a good segue there too, though, as far as selling the using the the players to sell the game, and it's definitely one thing in 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 pro hockey we don't do a very good job of. But you know, here in the in the BC division, you know, we and and you're privy to this, Steve. We we just had the the, the Connor Bedard tour, yeah. you know, sold out every every barn in, in the in the uh, Western Conference that he played. Well, not not in the states, of course, not allowed in the states, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, what 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 was that like as far as you know using the using the biggest star in in all of, of major junior to to sell tickets and you know kind of the lead up to it and then the game itself. I, I think he did a marvelous job. I think he. I can't imagine being seventeen years old and having that kind of pressure where, you know, you're you're, you're having to do media 
you know, like a media tour as part of your, you know, your team coming through and having to try and fit in with your group. And, I, you know, he, he's been, I think he's, I think he's really bright for one. I think he's been well taught for another. Uh, I, I think he handled it marvelously. I mean, there was, you know, there was people cheering when he, he came out on the ice for a warm-up. I think it's something that you, you just don't see in junior hockey. Well, and why do you think it was different this time? Because we've had, we've had players in the league that are highly touted, like Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. We all kind of knew. Yeah. And he didn't end up being a generational player, but we all kind of knew, hey, that's the guy that's going to be first or second in the draft. But there have been those players. I don't think we've ever had anybody during the social media kind of stage where they're, they're just so accessible that you can see that, that you, I think you've, if you've got Twitter, you've seen every goal the kids ever score, which I don't think we've ever had before. I don't think we've had a generational guy come through the West at a time where the access was what it was, right? I don't think you, you know, I, I don't think the media was what it was where he's, you know, he's been on TSN forever. <clears throat> so I, yeah, I, I think that's just kind of the stage that we're at. I think, you know, we all know the story about his backyard ring, his, his, his backyard setup because we've seen that. We've, we've seen all those things and we've seen his highlights. And I, I you know, he's, he's a fun, flashy player. So I, I think it's, it's it's given a chance for that, and I, again, it's he's he's but you know he's done an amazing job with it. I think it, it's a real credit to him, a real real credit credit to his parents that that he's he's not going absolutely bonkers right now. Well, and I have long been a proponent um, of promoting the stars when trying to sell tickets at this level, not just your own, but the stars from the other teams, and it's never really been much of a tactic that I've seen at this level. It's been more about you know selling the logo, selling loyalty, selling the fan experience. But can this maybe, and I know Bedard is special, you're not going to get franchise talents all the time, exceptional talents all the time, but can this maybe be a template where the marketers around the league can go, wait a minute, there's no player ever 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago that would have sold out games in other buildings. But if, if you can promote Mm-hmm. stars that turns heads more than anything and and maybe this is something they need to do a lot more of going forward it's funny you say that because the giants tried that with prince george when when prince george was coming they posted on i think it was their instagram that you know the cougars are coming and they've got the two potential first round picks and the giants players were angry <clears throat> where one i had colton colton lankow actually replied to the post saying hey you know, your own players are coming too, and I think every guy on the team will like his post. So it, it is something the Giants have, have played with. I don't know if they're going to play with it again, though, after the, that whole kind of situation. Wow, that's that's really interesting, and and uh, but at the same time, I mean, if you can if you can you know sell tickets, get some butts in the seats, and motivate the home team to, to perform yeah. well, I mean, now you're now you're really cooking with gas. Now you're really bringing uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't think that was the actual plan, but I, 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 you know, I wonder if it worked out that way. But yeah, I, I just, I think it's, I, I you know, I, I think Vancouver had a great rivalry 
back in the day whenever I think there there was some promotion of that. It's never there's not the Giants particularly have never haven't since then had a great direct rival. I think they've tried to sell the Victoria Vancouver rivalry. It's never worked because the teams have never both been good at the same time. Um, I know there's Kamloops Kelowna has you know has a rivalry. I, I, it's not like Try and and Spoke and and Portland and and, and Seattle. I, it's it's a little bit different. I don't know why we don't have the same rivalries up here that they have. You know, in, in, in you know other other various cities. But that's that's interesting. The the player reaction kind of goes back, you know, to what I was saying about how we can only do things halfway. Yes. <laughs> you oh okay promoting stars works. Let's try to promote stars. Oh, that makes the players mad, so we can't do it. Yeah. You know, like there's always something that holds the sport back from doing what it needs to do to get the attention that the sport deserves, and it. At some point, they just have to dive in, you know, do some unique things. Because numbers around the league, outside of this Bedard run, have not been spectacular. So well, I, I they need to get even, creative. I think even if you look at Regina, the numbers aren't that good. Oh, they're they're not they're not selling tickets to Regina right now. And and I think part of it is is if if, if I could I could be wrong, but they also raised their ticket prices, didn't they? In my understanding is yeah they're they're high. I don't know what high means. I mean they're pretty no. damn high right where I'm sitting too. But yeah, you know they're yeah I don't, I don't but I know the uh, the natives are restless and they also you know they haven't put a winning product on the ice for a while. They've yes. they've seen two years of Bedard already. Like yeah, I don't, it's 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 a really interesting experiment right now. That's for sure. I know the rea- the reaction seemed to be now again. You always have to remember that the people commenting on Twitter. Yes. Don't necessarily represent the general view of the fan base. It is, More, the, it is the angry five percent, or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Exactly. In, in radio, we used to say our callers were three yeah. percent of our audience. Uh, but that said, the, the contention seemed to be we had to suffer through three, four years of lousy hockey after the Memorial Cup. Now, the second we get something to be excited about, you jack up the prices on us. Yeah. And, no, and, and so it didn't go over well. No, and it, it doesn't, you know, I, I yeah, it's a, it's, it's an interesting situation where it, it feels like they're not going to end up taking advantage of their good fortune of, of landing the best player out of the Western Hockey League and, you know, how, how many years you want to say, right? So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, it, yeah, I think the ruck is here too with, you know, the suggestion that you should be trading Camloops is what it was always, you know, was also fascinating. Yeah, that was that was something I I thought about a little bit too, Steve. You made a really good point about just being the the modern era. And, well, I mean, you know, we never talked about Nugent Hopkins on a podcast like this. You know, when he yeah. was in Red Deer, and and because we did, there wasn't such a thing really. And and you know, I mean, there was, but not like it is now. And no. you know, if yeah, if you would ask, you know, Brent Sutter, you know, if if you were going to trade him or whatever, like it doesn't that video clip doesn't make the rounds at the time. I don't think we even had YouTube at that time, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it is a little I, different I, animal. I, I just like, yeah, before, I just like to get out and get in front of this. There's no way I would trade him. I, I, I get the idea that you're going to get a bounty 
I just think having that connection to that player for the, as long as he plays in the NHL, I think is going to be more important to that franchise. I, I think, I think, I think Connor Bedard walking across the stage in June and them saying Connor, you know, Connor Bedard resign a pack because an advertisement can't buy. That's, that's exactly what I've been saying as well, Steve. And and you get kind of blank stares from fans sometimes because, you know, a fan wants to win more than anything else. Um, but a, a business has to understand branding, has to, has to look at the big picture. And the reality is you could be selling Connor Bedard Regina Pat jerseys for 30 years, right? Yes. But if if you don't get that moment where he's picked as a pat, if they say from the Kamloops Blazers, then so much of what that could mean is sucked out of it, isn't it? Yes, and it's and it's not a great analogy to make now because Carey Price has kind of gotten himself in trouble up here with some of his comments about gun gun control. But Carey Price went to Tri City. Carey Price met a met his wife there. He still lives there. He still skates there. It's it's a great recruiting tool to have a Carey Price. I think, I, I mean, that's a special relationship, but I think that that connection, to keep that connection with Connor Bernard, you know, for the Regina Pats, I, I, I think they have to do it. I, I just, I don't think you'd ever get the return to, to kind of, to, the the equal return trade trade wise for that kind of um, just that just that recognition or that connection. Well, I mean, I mean, how many more mainstream hockey fans, like not your hardcore fans that follow prospects and junior and all that, how many more mainstream hockey fans know who the Ramuski Oceanic are or um, the Erie Otters are? After franchise players went through those organizations, right? I mean, they I, completely I, changed it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I don't know what what being getting a bunch of Bantam. Bantam sorry, I guess uh, WHL draft. We don't call it Bantam anymore. I, I getting a bunch of, of WHL draft picks would would help the franchise. A, a big picture in terms of. You know, sponsors in terms of recognition, in terms of all those things. Like, like every time that you know, for for the first five years of his career, every time Brendan Gallagher was on TV up here, he was Brendan Gallagher, former former Vancouver Giant. What does that mean? I, I just I don't know if you can. I I don't know if you can put a true dollar value on them. Yeah, I mean, you know, regular listeners to the show. You know, whenever we have this discussion, we, you know, talk about Jordan Eberly and the way that played out. But, you know, maybe maybe that's not a good good comparison after all. I mean, you know, maybe, again, you could compare an Eberly back to to a Nugent Hopkins or, a, you know, a, a, a guy of that caliber that. Yeah, and this is a this is a completely different animal. This is a guy that's like I, I we had the we had the top prospects media day yesterday. The, the Sedins were talking about. Connor Bedard, and and we're well versed in Connor Bedard. I, you know, it's it's a completely different time than anything we've ever seen in hockey. Did. 
just in terms of, of the again the social media and the you know the world being smaller and YouTube and all these things. You know, some something else I've thought about during this conversation that I hadn't really considered before either is you know I've been you know frustrated that the way the the luck of the draw with the schedule that you know Regina doesn't come to the U.S. division this year and so. You know that's it. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not going to see this kid play. You know, unless you know, barring a miracle. Um, and I've been frustrated with that for me, as you know, as a selfish standpoint of you know, like whatever space I occupy in the Western League, and you know, a fan or whatever. But to, it would have been a really interesting experiment to see, you know, if if this player sells tickets here in the states. You know, are are we in tune with it? You know what I mean. You. Steve, yeah. Steve, you talked about the different, you know, rivalries, you know, and how in the BC division it's kind of not the same, like, you know, Saturday Night Lights, you know, Blood Feud, whatever, like it is here in the States that, you know, and half the, you know, we had, you know, 10,000 in the Glass Palace here on Saturday night for the Teddy Bear Toss against Seattle. Do any of these guys know that they have, you know, half the fans, do they know that there is World Juniors, that Seattle's missing four guys, that... You know, or is it just like we're the good guys and they're the we wear the white hats and they wear the black hats and and let's go at it. It would be interesting to see, you know, if if uh, if Bedard sells seats in 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 Kennewick in 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 Everett here here in Portland, and that's just you know that would have been a really interesting social experiment, especially after we saw how it went in BC, and you know now we have to wait for the next you know generational guy to come to the league, and who knows when that's going to be. Would have been fascinating to see if. If he skipped BC, went and, and played in the US division, whether Vancouver, you know, more mainland fans packed Everett, packed Seattle, packed Portland. Would have been interesting to see, how, you know, whether they would have traveled, right? So. That's fascinating. I, I hadn't thought about that angle, Chad. That's really interesting because we are more, you know, we're the ones obsessed with that top prospect up in Canada with the highlights on TSN and Sportsnet and all over social media, do you think, I mean, is, is there is there a conversation about Bedard among U.S. Western League fans to a similar degree, even from the circles you operate in? I mean, there is, but it's all we're all in the same pool. I mean, we're all, you know, having the same discussions on Twitter. We're all listening to, to, to shows like this, or I hope, I hope everyone's listening to this show, but you know, and so it's kind of it, in some ways I'm in I'm in a bubble of the you know kind of the top shelf of, of of hockey nerd at you know at our at our age level or whatever it is, and so yeah, I imagine if uh, if you're walking around the concourse talking to guys, I mean, who who knows? I mean, I, that's that you know, I mean, it, 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 in some world um, World Cup's going right now, you know, and in some ways, you know, hockey in the states is is similar to a soccer crowd in that, you know, we're going to have a beer and we're going to, you know, cheer when they score and, you know, good play two five, whoever that guy is and, and, and keep yeah. going. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, we're not, we're not nearly as educated, you know, as a, as a group as, you know, fans in Langley as fans of Swift current, but, you know, they make up for it enthusiasm and, and, you know, hooting and hollering. So it's, it, it yeah, that's a, it's again. It's a thing I had never thought about till in the middle of this discussion. But it would be interesting to see. Oh wow, this Bedard kid. We got to get in on this. You know, like I mean, maybe. Who? I, I, but I really don't know. Would have been would have been interesting to see how the American teams marketed him too as well. 
you know, how, how much did, you know, would Portland have, have sold the idea that Bedard was coming and, you know, how many, how many interviews would Mike Johnson do to, you know, pump up a, a Bedard visit and how would Seattle have sold it and how would Bob Torrey and Dry have sold it. So yeah, it would have, it, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I get why the, the schedule is the way it is and why teams only make the one trip. And this is a year you were kind of, if, if, if you had your way, it would have been nice to see the, you know, Regina Pats play everywhere. So. Well, and, and that's where you also say crappy timing for COVID because yeah. he would have made two trips to BC and one to the U.S. if we had normal years. Yeah, so, uh, but uh, you know, again, yeah, it's you know, it's so much about you know, out of your control. So. Well, and that's you know the beauty of, of of this league and and major junior in general that we're going to have a new crop of you know guys, first round talents. You know, well, we're they're already in the league, you know, but we're gonna yeah. we're gonna have new guys next year, and yeah, but again, it won't be. You know, again, I don't, I don't know if Seth Jones sold tickets. Maybe, maybe in Everett, so they could boo him. But you know, I. But not to say, I mean, you know, he's one of what seven. He was the seventh uh, uh, exceptional status player. You know, like there, there's he's a he's a the 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 upper 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 echelon, right? It's these guys just don't they just don't come very often. Well, and that's and that's something I hadn't thought about either, Steve. So, in, in the first the first exceptional status player in our league, obviously. So, you know, they were all in the, you know, in the Ontario League for the most part. And so, that makes me wonder if if we had a Sean Day, and he's probably not the not the the right example. But you know, yeah. if if uh, you know if McJesus played out this way, I mean, would you know? And that's a fun experiment too, right? So the internet wasn't quite the same at the time, or you know, if McKinnon played in our league or whatever, like you yeah. know, was. You know, would that you'd you'd like to think that if McDavid was you know was playing for you know Kamloops instead of instead of Erie that you know you might have had that same effect. Yeah, I mean it's it's so hard to tell, right? I just I just think it, it's the perfect storm with social media. Just just that you you feel like you you already know. Like if you're a hockey fan, you you've got a good idea of, of this kid's skill set already. I mean we. You know, we, we've been talking about 2023 being the, being the, you know, the Bernard draft for two plus years now. You know, again, you know, because of social media. And that's, that's the one real downside for the league. If Regina doesn't surge and become a real story come playoff time is how much they're missing from that, right? I mean, there's probably a part of uh, the league office that wishes he was traded to a top team because of how much extra spotlight the playoffs would get. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, the, yeah, I, the other side of it is if you're Don, I, I believe he's a Don Meehan guy. <laughs> if you're Don Meehan, you're probably happy if he's out of the playoffs early. So he can focus on draft stuff, and, and I mean, it's he's got a busy six eight months coming up with with you know how much pressure to get ready for uh, uh, NHL season. So there's a lot of different kind of a lot of different wants and needs in this whole picture, right? So 
and also, I mean, you talk about a man being, or the kid, whatever you want to call him, the player being busy, you know, I mean, we we've, we talk a lot about the, you know, the fracas with Marty Hastings in, in, in Kamloops, but the other half of the day, you know, Bedard was spent with Hockey Gives Blood and doing a lot of work there, and, you know, those are, those guys are friends of the show and, and uh, you know, and try to promote with their work. And so, I mean, he's already, you know, using his platform to, you know, try to try to make a difference in, in, in society, you know, on top of, you know, scoring goals and, and trying to, to set himself up with a, you know, good a good situation later on. So, I mean, it's – I mean, he's already got – you know, I, I just want to make sure to give him give him credit for, for that work too. I, I think he's very sharp. I think he's – I think he's very, very together, and I, I think, yeah, I, I, you know, I was, I, I, I mean, I was the guy that half, half asked the question in Vancouver about the trade, and I didn't, he didn't let me finish. Paddock didn't let me finish. I, I brought up January, you know, January 10th coming up, and he cut me off there. Because I was going to say January, you know, I was going to say January 10th coming up, have you got any legitimate offers? And I was going to give him a chance to say no and give a speech why he wasn't trading him. And he automatically just hammered me with, that's a stupid question. And I thought, well, I never actually asked the question. I just said January 10th coming up, and he cut me off. <clears throat> so I, and again, I don't, you know, people can, you know, like, I've got no issue with the guy being mad. I, it doesn't bother me. I, if he wants to be mad, I just don't think he handled it. I think he, I think he turned it into a bigger issue than it, it, you know, ever would be. And I, I know, I know he was worried about going to Campbell's. I know that he didn't want to deal with it in Campbell's. And I don't know if that was his way of, you know, kind of a preemptive strike. It obviously didn't work. Yeah. I, I've always been of the belief and you, you know, I've done lots of interviews like you have that if you want to direct attention away from a topic, you stay as calm. And um, as calm and political as possible. All he's right? got to say, is, yeah. All he's got to say is, we're not trading. We're not trading. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't. And, and turning it into this whole song and dance, I thought, you know, didn't didn't make a sense. And again, don't he can yell and scream all he wants. I I have a platform to say what I want to say, and I'm good with people saying if if people want to be mean to me in quotes, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's not about that. It's, I just, I think he turned it into a bigger issue than it needed to be. If you get frustrated, that's going to get coverage. If you say some boring answer like, uh, thanks for the question, Steve, but we just never discuss potential transactions in the media. Well, not, but not even that. You just say that we're, we're not trading. Yeah. But like, yeah. we're not trading, and we're, we're not trading and even get coverage of it. But if you just get that same boring generic answer all the time, then people will get sick of asking the question because they're getting nothing. Yeah, but but he doesn't. Yeah, like like don't like don't dance around it. Just we're not trading them. And then, I mean, if you end up trading them, you say you changed your mind. I don't think they're going to trade them. Let's be clear. But you know, I I don't. Yeah, you know, I I think. I, yeah, I I just I and then the whole show with, with Marty, I thought was bizarre. I thought it felt like. It felt like the, the the whole thing coming out of Kamloops felt kind of aggressive. Felt like it, 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 that there was people up there really bucking for it to happen. Um, you know, I it, yeah, it's 
I, I don't, I, I'd be fascinating to see what the Blazers do. It'd be fat. You know, it feels like Seattle's really kind of jumped the gun on them and, and, and made the big deals. So I, I don't know where they're going. Before we turn to that, because that's a great subject, just when you were talking about Bedard's ability to promote himself well and handle that media well, I know the Americans, I mean, the NHL would love for him to go to a major American market, I'm sure. But how much fun would it be? Especially, you know, for a BC kid, if Ryan Reynolds is part of an ownership group in Ottawa and they end up landing him, the stuff they could do together would be a lot of fun. I think so. I, I, I just, I think he's a, I think he's an interesting kid. I think he's a, I, you know, it's, I, I think he's, yeah, I, I think he handles it well. I mean, he's, he's not, he's not a live, like Bowen, Bowen, uh, Bowen Byram's a bit of a live wire. Like he's, he's a real, he's got a lot of, you know, he's very, very energetic. You know, Bernard seems very even keeled to me, so I don't know if he'll ever be, a, a, you know, that kind of outlandish media darling or the over-the-top media darling or the real quotable guy. But he he seems not phased by any of it. He seems like, like he's going to handle it. When you, you know, kind of cover the the Canucks, they're not they're not going to end up in that, that kind of lottery position, are they? It feels like they're trying, but no, I don't know if they're going to. <laughs> I mean, local. Right, they, they, we've local. got the whole Bo Horvat fiasco up here right now, so yeah. that's a whole better. I mean, local kid in that in that kind of environment. I mean, yeah, I don't know if we've ever ever seen that. You know, I I don't know if that's the best case for Connor Bedard. So yeah, I, I I don't not a bad point. Yeah, I I don't you know I mean I, everybody. It's funny. Any time that any of the BC prominent BC guys become free agents, there's a big push up here that oh, bring them home, bring them home. <laughs> I don't, I don't think anybody, you know, like I don't think if you're a BC guy, I don't think you want to want to wear that. Yeah, I, I think you'd like to not, not, you know, have to do. It's funny though because so often when these players come up, you hear that. Again and again, the NHL wants them in a major American market to to use them to promote the, the game in the states. But sometimes something's lost in that because if the sport isn't a huge priority in those markets, no. there isn't the same focus on that player that there should be, and they can kind of get lost a little bit. It's uh, yeah, it's it, there's there's probably more American markets where it's not a big deal than American markets where it is. What 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 you're saying, Sean, is when Austin Matthews is scoring goals in, in Phoenix, he's gonna he's gonna fill that arena. That's kind of that's where you're going with that. <laughs> I I hope so. With his friends and family, he probably could fill it. But you know, big, bigger bigger picture though, Steve, and this is you know back to the Marty Hastings, you know, Kamloops thing. I mean. That's part of why, you know, I've always had a thing for for you newspaper guys. I mean, for one thing, there's a, there's a whole lot out there that's, you know, way more important than hockey will ever be. And we need reporters to dig these things up and keep us informed in, in order to remain free societies in whatever country you live in. And, you know, and, and you're supposed to ask the questions that, that are tough. And when they specifically say, don't ask me this, it kind of lays the gauntlet on the table. You about have to do it, right? I mean, I know you said that you uh, I, I, it, it poke around with that. Much like it's, 
it, it's funny because it felt it felt very much like a challenge. As soon as that that came out, where did they where did they go next? Um, I think they went to Kamloops next, and they, no, sorry, Kelowna next, and that was put on the table there, like right after the stop in Vancouver. And I I, I mean, and again, he was. He was upset and he was angry and that's all. I, I'm not, a, that doesn't bother me, but he's done media events at Madison Square Garden. John Paddock, the media events at, you know, Madison Square Garden and the Montreal Forum and the, you know, the Boston Garden and all the biggest arenas in the sport. And he, you know, you think he could handle 12 people at the Langley Event Center and eight people at Kelowna and 12 people. And, you know, it wasn't. It, it just, it got, it, 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 he turned it into something it didn't need to be turned into. I think, I mean, if, if I were to step outside of that moment, I, I wonder how challenging and frustrating this time frame has been for Paddock after the incredibly positive start to his return to the Western Hockey League. Yes. And, and the great run he had with Regina, built a terrific team, then ran into a ton of injuries and fell short and tried to build for a Memorial Cup, but had a few things not go their way. No. And had to here. You land this great piece, and it's during COVID, and it's, it's before you're ready, really. You kind of have to, you know, try to push your development along before you're ready to do it, and it doesn't work. And it, it's, it's just been, you know, a guy who's a, a really, really smart hockey man um, who got such a wonderful foundation created when he came to Regina. I imagine the, the last five years have just been very frustrating the way the dominoes have fallen for him, and it may less be the question and more be the cumulative frustration of that. Oh, I, I, 100%. Like, I, it, it hasn't been, like, it hasn't been easy for him, but I, you know, all I'm saying is that he didn't make it any easier on himself by, Kind of reacting like that. Yeah, my experience with John has been—he's usually remarkably calm. So, yeah, it was really, it was really quite. I mean, I wasn't in Campbell's, but even in Langley, it was really quite stunning because it 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 got very icy, very, very, like very quickly. I think that this question has been following them everywhere. But I, I, I do think you can explain it. Yeah. Right. I think, and I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, someone over there is going to decide whether to trade him or not. And I'm saying don't trade him, but you know, it falls there. So they've got the power. Well, and, do you think? Do you ahead. think? I mean, going going this far. You know, my initial thought was kind of blow it off, but like you said, you could always explain changing your mind later. But do you think maybe the the prudent PR move would have been Paddock ownership put out a statement at one point saying we are not trading him. We won't answer this question anymore. There is like we I, he's not I going to be traded. But I, I think as soon as you say you won't answer that question anymore, you, it's going to come up twice as much. Right. Right, like I, I think it's just this, yeah, we're not trading him here, and and you decide whether you 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 expound on that or not depending on circumstance, 
right? And 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 there isn't there isn't a great history in this league of of benchmark guys being being traded, right? Ryan Murray never got traded out of Everett. Carey Price never got traded out of out of Tri City. Everly and, and Regina and Nugent Hopkins and, and Red Deer and Brendan Gallagher in Vancouver. And I mean, that's there's there's very little history of, of super high end guys getting traded. Everly is a bit of a sore spot, though, and that's part of the conversation in Regina. I don't yeah, know if you women hear that. Yeah, but I, I I think there's ways to dance. You know, I mean, you know, Brain Shen. Uh, you know, I mean, you could argue, you know, Craig Cunningham, maybe, right? But <laughs> there's not a lot of those guys that have been that have, you know that have gotten traded. I mean, Cunningham got moved, is it? Overage, that's kind of a little bit of a different animal. But, you know, I mean, uh, Cody Eakin, you know, the year before that, or actually the same year, I think, comes to mind. I mean, that was a that was eight for one, you know, coming out of Swift Current going to Kootenai. I mean, that was a – but, again, you know, I suppose it's probably a fool's there to compare Cody Eakin to, the, to this guy wearing 98. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's not something that happened. I mean, Cunningham was – Cunningham was a favorite of Cunningham. We yeah. see we see world junior players get traded all the time. We don't see franchise players get traded unless it's before they ever arrive. Uh, you know, like Derek Lindros, for example. Tavares is probably the only one. Yeah. Right, or or probably the best evidence of that. But it's uh, there's way more evidence of it not of of teams just you know keep you know keeping their guys, particularly in a draft year. Where, where that's, you know, like how much of the hockey world is watching the NHL draft? A whole lot of it. Yeah. Right? If you ever if you ever got him back, obviously you won't. But if you ever got him back, then that's okay. But before he's drafted, you don't know. Well, I mean, you talk about World Junior players. I mean, Drysaddle got traded while he was at World Juniors, which you can't even do. Well, you can't technically do it, but yes. They they did it. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, but they can't. Yes, it was almost uh, you know Quebec League style. Like this guy's getting traded in two weeks. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why then why do we have these uh, blackout periods? But I know that yeah. one is real controversial around the league. It comes up comes up this time of year. Also controversial because the story was that the Oilers forced the deal to be too cold. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, that's definitely how folks remember it. That that was a that was a Greg McTav- uh, Craig McTavish thing, and not uh, not so much a Bruno Campesi. Was that was that still Campesi's there? I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So, Steve, you started getting into Camloops and the, the reality that you know Seattle has made some big moves. Portland has been fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of really good. You know, there's a few very very good teams. In each conference that they have to match up with, what do they need to do to be at the level of those teams in your mind? I think I think generally the team with the best group of defensemen wins. I, I think it's I think it's about getting the puck out of out of your own zone and, and getting it up the ice. And I think on you know 
on the other side, it's about forechecking and, and creating turnovers. And and I just I think they need they need a high end D man. I think they you know you wonder about a goal you know a, a goalie although although Ernst's numbers have been very good. Um, I just you know looking at looking at Seattle live and looking at Portland live, they look just from the eyeball test they they look quicker and, and more explosive than Cambridge, so they they get the puck up the ice. Yeah, I'm. I've only seen uh, Canloops once so far. I'm only going to only going to get to see him twice. But you yeah. know, they, it it's harder. It's hard to read them. I mean, I feel like they need more, and I think you know everybody knows they're gonna they're gonna add something at some point. But on the other hand, I mean, sixteen and six. I mean, you know, that would. I feel like most teams would be pretty happy with that. But you know, I don't know. I mean, knowing you got to compete with you know the three best teams and all a major junior. I mean, I suppose it's, it's, it's never good enough, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I, and I, I'm with you on the, on the goalie there. I know John Keene is, is, is pumping his tires and, and, uh, and I can respect that, but yeah. you know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what I think of Camus yet. No, I, I just, I don't, they didn't just, just eyeball, just watching them live. They, they didn't impress me as much as, as Portland or Seattle. Well, and and they are they're four wins and five wins behind those teams yes. in similar games. So that's that's very significant, especially at this point of the season. So they're a step behind them, and and you know there's only so much out there to get. And we've seen, I think, having seen the last few Memorial Cup hosts push all their chips in and not have much to show for it, but also knowing that you have to try to compete. And I I think it's a, a tremendously challenging position to be in as a general manager right now. Sean Clouston has a huge job in front of him how to balance those things, um, knowing, at least in their case, they're good enough to be a contender. It's not like Regina when they were kind of hovering around the playoff line before the deadline. When Kelowna the last time, like they're still a good team, but you want to go all in the way the other teams have, and then suffer for four or five years after. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where they where they find guys. Whether I, you know, do they? Is there somebody that that drops out of the race right? At, you know, right at the trade deadline and and. and you know, gives up on a high end, high end nineteen year old. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think Vancouver is, 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 you know, has some guys that if they decided to, to to drop out, that would be appealing to a playoff team. I I don't know if they're going to decide to drop out. We we had uh, Chris Peters, you know, on yeah. the show last last week talking uh, about American World Junior Team, and and uh, I was listening to his show. Today, I think it was, and mentioned that Sebastian Cosa is in the Coast League right now as yeah. a, as a twenty year old. And to me, I mean, is that is that situation any different than the defenseman that the Thunderbirds just just brought in and, and Luke Prokop? I mean, can 
you know, can, can Sebastian Cosa be had to uh, to add to a, a Western League team for, for a playoff stretch? You'd think that'd be a, a real attractive goalie being, you know, how he won his, his last junior game, you know, potentially ever. I mean, unless if he doesn't come back. I mean, I, 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 I kind of I want to start a rumor there based off of nothing but the fact that he's in the in the uh, in the Coast League and, you know, there's, there's kind of no reason to be there. You either come here or move up to the to the A, right? So, I mean, I don't know. I, I wonder if there's people. Yeah, but to your point, Steve, I wonder what pieces are out there that, you know, a team like Kamloops can, can go after. They're going to have to do something. They're going to have to. I mean, they're not going to sit still. I think that's obvious. I, I just, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know where, you know, where they're going to go. I don't know what what it's going to be like. I, I've, I've heard Seattle's not done. I, I, I have great, you know, Mike Johnson isn't done. Right, I, I think there's some, you know, there's some interesting challenges, right, to to kind of figure out, and 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 like you want to, I mean, is you know, if if on John Paddock, do I go take a swing and say, okay, well, we're gonna have the best player in the league, can I add, you know, a, a, another piece or two, and you know, put us in a better, you know, make us a make us a, a a highly regarded six seed or seven seed or whatever they may be. But there's there's a few teams in this league that look like Memorial Cup contenders, and so it's, it's not like there's just one or two. You know, you mentioned Seattle, Portland, Winnipeg's 25 and four, Red Deer's 21, five one and three, Saskatoon is 22 and five. Those are contender numbers, right? So all of those teams they're seeing their windows open right now, and because junior hockey can be so cyclical. They're all going to be trying to take advantage of that window. So it's not just Kamloops out there looking, and it's not just teams that are kind of on the playoff bubble. There's six legitimate Memorial Cup contenders in the league that all uh, have a case to be made that if they make the right moves, they could be there at the end of the year. So it's going to be a fight, but there's only, you know, Edmonton, Prince Albert, Madison Hats, Spokane, Victoria are the are the only like they're done kind of team. Would you say? Yeah, and and, and, and and a lot of those teams have already made you know kind of made their trades. <laughs> Spokane's already traded up. They've only already traded up the top D man, right? Like, there's not a you know, there's not a lot. There, there. It, it looks like there's more buyers than there is sellers right now. Yeah, talk about the Chiefs. Yeah, Barsley made his moves early, which I thought was interesting. But you know, if you find the right, find the right, you know, dance partner, then then go for it, right? I mean, he's you know, in in for the long haul. There looks like you know, as far as coming on the ground floor, you know, as much as this is a ostensibly a Portland show, we haven't talked about them that much. You know, I I really don't think. I expected, or maybe anybody expected, Portland to be this good this year. I think they've kind of, in some ways, stumbled under this. I, I'm sure that MJ is doing a lot of thinking about what they want to do. I mean, to your point, Steve. I mean, this is a guy that adds. You know, every 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 year he goes out and gets something. But I kind of wonder what poker chips he really wants to, really wants to push to the center of the table. But you know. It, 
especially considering that you got to get through Seattle potentially. I mean, you, know, yeah. you might have to deal with Kamloops. One, but you're hoping to have to deal with Kamloops, you know, at some point, but in, maybe not in a seven game series. But yeah, I kind of I wonder. I don't I don't have any idea what they want to do because I don't I think they've I think it's kind of found gold this year for them. If if you're if you're a Prince George or a Vancouver or a Tri City or or somebody that's kind of on that going to get in, maybe win around, maybe not. You know what? What are the prices for some of your best guys? And what? And what? What takes you from? Well, you know what? We're going to see what we got. No, no, no we're going to sell. Like, what's the? What's the benchmark? I mean, I, I, I think that's the smart play, isn't it? Because unless you're one of those teams, like Prince George, for example. They've been hungry for some kind of playoff success for a long time. If they get into fourth or fifth in a series that's winnable, you know, you probably don't want to make a move like that when you're trying to bring your fan base back. But, you know, if you're one of those teams that's looking at being six, seven, eight, and you're, and in either conference, six, seven, eight is facing a team that's a Memorial Cup contender, at least in, in terms of the standings right now. If you subtract one guy from those teams, is that going to make a huge difference when you're going into a series you're likely going to lose in five games anyway? Uh, and and what could that mean for the team next year if they're a team that's on the rise, right? So those are the types of teams that I think you're looking at and say, you know, uh, if you're Swift Current, if you're Brandon, if you're Regina, well, I guess Regina, maybe not the team, but the teams you mentioned, I, I think that's a really good place to look. But I can I can argue the other side of that though, and I can argue it with Vancouver, where Weichman and Ospichuk are, are um, among the best leaders they've had over the last four or five years, and they're very high on their own fives, very very high on their own sixes. Do you do you hold on to those two guys and say they're going to teach our own fives and our O sixes, and we're going to take we're going to take our lumps trade-wise, or do you flip them out for something huge that may not, because you're not going to get, you know, you're going to get draft picks. You're not going to get something that may, in fact, fall into that 0506 cycle. Like, it may, I be, think, it may be later, right? So, I think in that case, though, when, when you look at it as assets to bolster that group, if you really like your 05s and 06s, not that you're trading for those draft picks to make the pick necessarily. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I, 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 again, that's the great question of, of do you, if you've got a kid like Vikeman, Vikeman, <coughs> when when they got eliminated by Kamloops last year, at, you know, after that last game against Kamloops, Barkley Barkley Pinetta, the GM, went down to the dressing room. And he heard in the weight room, he, he heard weights, weights clanging and banging after their final game. And he thought, what is going on? And he goes in and there's Weichman, who had missed several weeks with, uh, with, with a leg injury. <coughs> he's in there after the final game lifting weights, right? Cause he's trying to get ready for, for whatever's next. And I, I think that, you know, what, what's the value of, of moving him out for whatever you get for him? As opposed to that guy teaching Madison Leslie or, or Halliburton or Seminat, right? I, I, you know, I, 
I, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Yeah, it's really interesting, really interesting story, Steve, about the, you know, goalie on a fresh eliminated team. That's, uh, that's, that's motivation for sure. You know, I think, but I, I feel like Sean's talking about a model that we'd never seen before, but he, but he knows well the, uh, uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes, the year that, you know, they, they had that big trade with, with Swift Current and, acquired a lot of assets and still figured out how to way to win a couple of rounds and then and then have to you know ultimately be defeated by the the, the players that they that they moved out you know and uh yeah. and Stu Skinner and and and, and uh, Estefan and the like I I don't I don't know if that's a thing you can replicate but I mean you know Pete did it I mean maybe maybe that's a thing that that yeah you could you could do if you're if you're Tri-City or, or PG but, and not to jump in ahead of Steve there, but and it's exactly what I was talking about, that Lethbridge, instead of using those picks, and maybe they look back and regret it a little bit because they could have been a team that, that was well-suited to develop Connor Bedard because it was the pick that landed Connor Bedard that they traded away to Regina that they'd gotten from Swift Current. However, they did get those picks and then turned around and flipped them in the Jake position deal to try to make that team better when they thought they were more prepared to make a run. And that's what I could see a team doing. Um, but I, I, I know what you're saying. You know, fans, for fans and for media, it's so easy for us to say, here's an asset, you want to maximize that asset, but they're not an asset, they're a human being. And what does it mean to your locker room and your organization and your culture when you rip a huge part of it out of there in the process of development? Is that sort of what you're getting at? Yeah, I think I think for you know for years after Mark District was gone, guys talked about what Mark District meant to their group. Guys talked, you know, the 2019 team talked about what Darian Steele meant to their group. You know, a couple years after he was gone, and and. I, I think those are the those are the checks and balances that guys in charge of these teams are trying to deal with. <laughs> well, and Steve, you know, you brought up uh, Cunningham earlier, and that's that's exactly why they brought him to Portland was was a, who he was more so than than even his performance on the ice. Yeah, no, I I, I think those are I, I I think it's always. I think it's always easier to play that while well, you know make the trade, make the trade. And I think I, I, there's a lot of question, you know, there's a lot of a lot to go, you know, into it. I, you know, again, I, there's a logic to trading Connor Connor Bedard, but it's it's not necessarily as easy as everyone, you know, as, as that automatic, you know, trade value like the. You know, playing the playing the NHL video game where you just trade and get and get picks and get players. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like the 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 2013 Saskatoon Blades, uh, you know, could agree with you there that yeah, you can you can bring in guys if you want, but you know, are how how is that going to settle out? What 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 is the what is the sum of the parts, right? Yeah. Well, Steve, we've we've kept you for a while, and and Sean's going to wherever he's going. Um, 
What, do you have uh, any other things you want to touch on? You got anything you're uh, writing for the, for the province that uh, coming up here that we should keep? Uh, uh, no, just, uh, just you know, talk to uh, Samuel. Samuel Hansik leaves uh, leaves the Giants after tomorrow's after the Wednesday game in Victoria. He leaves Thursday for World Juniors and talk to him about the you know idea that that he could face his linemate and uh, Ospichuk. You know, in the event that that the Slovaks play the play the Canadians, so talk to him a little bit about that, and you know, just what it's going to be like for Vancouver without their guys, and how they're going to have to you know find a way to soldier. You know, a, they were uh, you know greater than the sum of their parts team before. They're going to be even more more like that without those two guys. Do you have a feel at all for what the vibe is going to be like? It World Juniors has been such a tradition and an event for for people in Canada. Do you have a feel for whether it's going to be anything close to that uh, after the what we've seen the last two years? What the vibe might be just for the average person now? Is it going to be, you know, is, is the luster coming off? I, I wonder if Bernard wasn't there. I'd say yes. But I think there's going to be a fascination in what, what he does in his last World Juniors. I, I, I still think there, there's going to be that kind of fascination in, in terms of him and, and, and where he's at and what you know what what he means to a team Canada run. Yeah, that's you know a thing when we we spent a long time on on Bedard earlier, obviously, but that was a thing I was thinking about during that part of the conversation. That you know, see what he does on his team Canada roster. I mean, obviously, we we see so few seventeens make it and you know a lot of times the guy that goes first overall wasn't wasn't good enough to make a 19 year old tournament but then is too good and is in the nhl afterwards and we never really see these guys in this tournament so it's kind of a it's kind of a rare opportunity to see you know a a a, a 17 year old undrafted player steal the show but you know that's kind of that's kind of what we all expect to happen here in in halifax right i mean the vibe across Canada is I think they're really concerned about this U.S. team and the defense corps they're bringing, but uh, you know, that might, be, that might just be my opinion. I don't know. I, I, just, I, I think it'll be was such a part of, of our, 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 hockey, our hockey fabric for so many years and, and to see how badly Hockey Canada has messed up over the last three or four years, I, I do wonder what the appetite for World Juniors is going to be. But you know, you know, I, I just think that the 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 Bedard excitement is going to maybe outdo uh, some of our disappointment in, in the way hockey Canada's handled itself. Well, it's because it's a perfect storm, having gone through the COVID years and you know, kind of losing the tournament last year and a summer tournament that was such a dud. Yeah. That. That and then everything that's happened with hockey Canada. If if the bloom was going to be off the rose, if this was going to fall out of the position that it's been in as our big Christmas holiday tradition, now would be the time. So they're hoping and praying that Connor Bedard can make the difference because they absolutely need to get the people back somehow. Yeah, and, and the the last thing I want to do is pump the tires of you know the Canadian uh, junior team, but I mean it could be. The flip side of that is it could be such a palate cleanser, you know. I mean, if they go out and score a couple goals and look real good, and you know, put up 
put up some, you know, metal, you know, I, I guess, I guess there's only one metal that's good enough, but you know, it, it could be a thing where you could, you could have the on ice product shine. And I feel like we expect it to with this, with this group that, I mean, you could put a, you could put a lot of sour taste behind you as far as, uh, you know, kind of trying to turn the page on, on where they're at, even though obviously, you know, hockey Canada as, as an organization has a lot of work to do still. It's going to be real interesting to see how, how much hockey Canada tries to rebrand and, and sell that it's making improvements throughout this. Cause they, they know they're going to have a lot of eyes on them. It'll be, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how TSN plays it and where, you know, whether we see a lot of, uh, hockey Canada showing their kind of their, their new press, you know, fresh ideas and how they're trying to make things better. And that'll be, that'll be kind of an interesting look for world juniors this year. I think, and I, don't, I don't know about you, I mean, I, I think they're going to have to walk a real fine line. Um, TSN, too. You know, other years, you see nothing but World Junior promotion from now until the tournament's over, all over TSN. And and what type of promotion? Like, everybody's kind of going to be walking a tightrope here. How much do you pump your chest? How humble do you have to be? while still needing to do enough to generate attention. I mean, it's going to be really fascinating to watch, and uh, it'll be a, a real balancing act, uh, I suspect. I, mean, it, it, I don't know. I, I can't remember anything quite like this. I, have, can you think of a, an example? No, I've got – no, I, I, I think these are brand-new times, and I think – yeah, they, they've got that – I think they – They'll have an audience. They'll have people watching. I think it's a chance to sell that we're, you know, we're, we're trying to be better. Like you said, though, you, you have to try and, you know, be, you know, try not to bang people over the head with it too much. I think there's alignment. Sean, I, I feel like you're saying that, you know, we don't want to promote the players, but too much, but we want to promote the players, but we also want to promote the tradition of wearing the maple leaf, but not too much. So we kind of half yep. half measure the thing, like where we started, right? Exactly what I said at the beginning. The thing that hockey always ends up doing. Yeah, it's crisis management, though, which is slightly different than just promotion. And crisis management is a totally different ball game, and something that sports and athletics and 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 Sports teams and organizations tend to not be the best at self-awareness and crisis management, as we've seen the whole last six months. I mean, you see it every day, Steve. I'm sure. In in all walks of public life, I think sports is among the worst at self-awareness and crisis management. We've had a fair bit of it here in Vancouver with our various teams. So yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, it, 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 you do think you could make a bundle if you you put together a, a sports a sports crisis management company that went around and helped you know kind of helped people out because they don't seem to do a very good job at it. Well, well there's your uh, retirement plan. There you go. Get out of this newspaper gig and get into crisis management. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, we've kept you for for some time. I know you have uh, other things to get get back to, and so. Uh, you know, we always appreciate having you on the show and, and 
you know, I would encourage everyone to read the province, you know, and, uh, and subscribe to your local paper. I, I appreciate that. Thanks so much, guys.